each country in the world needs a Boris, and like, I'm, I'm going to be shocked for saying that. But in times like now, you need people who are going to run through gates and fences and walls to get things done. You take three months prior to the rollout of the vaccines in the UK, and his opinion polls were through the floor. I, I think in Ireland, we are lacking it. I, I think, you know, we need Bidens of the world and we need Borises of the world. The joke in the US was, you know, vote for Uncle Joe because he's a safe pair of hands. I think the lovely thing, and you saw it in the G7 down in Cornwall, is, you know, he could be the uh, god of this century if he wants to roll out vaccines for the rest of the world. Watching the handling of the pandemic from away from home has been hard. Not as hard as being at home, obviously, but it has been a worrying time like no other. For lots of us abroad, the possibility of flying back is scary, whether you're traveling with someone who is vulnerable or not. For the airline industry itself, the past year has resulted in record losses and even closures. Today's guest is a man who knows a thing or two about flying, safety and managing large, difficult situations. Declan Ryan is the founder and managing partner of Irlandia, Aviation, co-founder of Ryanair with the Ryan family, chairman of Viva Air and Viva Latin America, ex-CEO of Ryanair, past board member of Viva Aerobus, Tiger and Allegiant, and the founder of the One Foundation, a major Irish and Vietnamese philanthropic organization. I wanted to bring Deck on here to talk about his view of how the last 18 months has been handled back home, what it means for the future of air travel and whether we need to be cautious about getting on flights in the near future or not. It's a very different episode to last week's conversation with my wife Tina talking about COVID. But just like that one, I felt a lot better after having this discussion. It was great to hear another side. It's been a blinding week here for Irish Man Abroad podcast with Sonia Sullivan on a Tuesday returning to Ireland uh, next week. Another Cork legend on the show on Thursday, Joan Lucy from Vibes and Scribes in Cork. And the return of Marion McKeown on Friday with Irish Man in America. For the price of a cup of coffee each month, you can access all these episodes, including eight years from our back catalogue of interviews at Patreon dot com forward slash Irishman abroad. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme. What's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Thrigo! Deck Ryan, it's brilliant to have you back on Irish Man Abroad. I'll have gone through the CV beforehand, but that all aside, I mean, you're a human being who's 
watched immense change take place across the world from a very particular vantage point. When you look at how things are being handled back home in Ireland, now that you are there talking to us from Dublin, what's your initial reaction or what's your sense at the moment? I think what happens, Jarlett, is you get very upset as an Irishman, particularly in aviation, because I wonder, does the government just take aviation for granted? Mm. And both Aer Lingus and uh, Ryanair are moving their airplanes away from Ireland. And the regulations are just crazy here. Um, I think you've seen all the maps where, like, we don't use anti-gen testing. And uh, the CMO, Dr. Tony Houlihan, who I think is a good person in principle, but he's kind of gone nuts on the PR and the, the, the I don't want to say ego. I just, I just wish the man would stop talking because CMOs are very important, but, you know, they aren't our leaders and we mm. didn't elect them. Over here in Neffet have too much power. And there was a recent incident, I don't know you heard, but he was driving home from somewhere and he saw crowds you know, he, he nearly closed down the streets because of his comments and so on. So when you look at Europe and you look at Ireland, there are two very contrasting uh, places. And you have to remember, as you well know, uh, and being in the UK, you know it well, is Europe has 27 different opinions. Like, I don't Do you remember that time of the ash cloud in Iceland? I've, yeah, vividly. I was trying to get to New Zealand yeah, well, at the time. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Europe closed down. And this happens, volcanoes happen all the time in places like Alaska and Indonesia. And uh, they have a 50-mile no-fly zone of the volcano. Very logical. In Europe, we had 27 bloody opinions on what ash cloud is. Hmm. So to a degree, that's happening here. And I think Ireland is just, we're killing our aviation industry. We're killing our tourism industry. And uh, it's just very frustrating and sad to watch. Yeah. As you know, our current airline is in Colombia. Uh, Colombia doesn't have the wealth that the European states have. And they're just getting on with life. And what I mean by that is they're taking all the precautions they can. But, you know, they live week by week salary wise. And, you know, the government can't afford to subsidize people. So, I don't know what the right solution is, but I, I, I really uh, concern, you know, uh, you probably read about a week ago where Aer Lingus Regional uh, Stobart Air gone into liquidation with 500 people. So it's just the tip of the iceberg here. And it's, it's very concerning as an Irishman. Yeah. So principally, I did want to bring you on as well to talk about maybe reassuring people around taking flights and doing things like that, because I feel like messaging and confusion is rampant at the moment. People aren't sure, well, is that safe? Are we meant to do it? Like even outside of what days we're meant to quarantine, if we go back to Ireland as Irish people abroad, what would you say to people that are feeling that kind of way and thinking, well, maybe I can get a boat from the UK. Are, are they being over cautious? I, I think they are being over cautious, but I'm sympathetic to it, mm. particularly here in Ireland when the messaging has been so kind of 
scaremongering and particularly uh, negative. Uh, as I said to you earlier, we're the only country in the world that, uh, sorry, only country in Europe who isn't using uh, antigen testing. Yeah. yeah, which, which, by the way, as you know, can, you know, I think you get the result within uh, 30 minutes or 20 minutes, or it happens very quickly and so on. And there's so no reason given safe, for that, is there? There doesn't seem to be any great reason no, behind no, not I, using I, it. I, I think it's a bias. I think it's a bias from NetFit and the CMO and so on. But, you know, we are, there's been piles of different maps uh, going out and Ireland's red and the rest of Europe is green because they use the antigen mm. testing and so on. So I think flying is safe. I, I was away uh, recently myself in, in Italy. You know, the protocols are pretty good. And as we know, um, you know, maybe some of your listeners don't realize it, but uh, the uh, air inside an aircraft is very clean and it's... Uh, it's re- you know it's uh, cleaned and, and effectively it recirculated every couple of minutes. I don't know the exact uh, time frame on it, but you know between the protocols, the gels, and our own caution, I, I wouldn't have any concern about anybody flying. People think I'm going to be biased. Well, I am biased because it's our industry, and we you know we employ thousands and thousands of people, mm. not just here, but you know throughout Europe and so on. And it, and it's your job to know. I mean, essentially, you, if anyone knows, you're seeing it firsthand yeah. and what's yeah. what's going on. Uh, one thing yeah. that I spotted in the news in the last week or so was this huge purchase by United Airlines of $30 billion worth of planes. They said, quote, yeah. to accelerate our business to meet the resurgence in uh, travel. Is that like United Airlines aren't going to make a purchase like that if they don't know. I mean, essentially, it's a really good a point. So if you take if you take the US, so uh, you and I are in um, New York and uh, we regard uh, the West Coast and Hawaii and those places, Vegas and so on, as within uh, the States. And, and, you know, some of them are up to seven or eight hours flying. So the US is bouncing back. I know the vaccine program is uh, more advanced there, but that doesn't mean people don't have the same concerns globally. But the, the states have been getting on with things. And in some way, they may be a little bit biased themselves because staycations in the states, you know, you have great options and, and it might be helping their own industry. But, you know, United Airlines are very clever. And the guy who runs it, Scott Kirby, is a very clever CEO and you know they're, they're, they're just being opportunistic I think also with mm. uh, Boeing and ordering airplanes but Buying um, low. you know it's a great time yeah 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 exactly it's a great time to buy airplanes and they're doing the right thing but the US you know you take any of the carriers out there American or Delta or Allegiant or Spirit or Frontier you know the, 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 those those guys have very high load factors and you know the protocols are taking place so the other big news story in terms of aviation in the last 48 hours is around uh, harmonization of COVID passes and this fear that there's going to be absolute chaos at airports if countries don't get their ducks in a row as to what's the standard here. And this is the big dreaded word in the UK at the moment of COVID passport yeah. and has been for kind of six to 12 months demonized the the notion of it. And yet here I am walking around with an NHS app on my phone, which basically has all my NHS records in it. I essentially have a COVID passport already on my phone. So in some ways it's yeah. a nonsense, is it not? This 
talk of a COVID passport? Or is there anything in that piece that I'm reading that there is real concern yeah, over these I, backlogs I, 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 and I would, queues? Uh, Jarlett, I would concur, uh, concur with you. I, I don't see the need for it. I think people will be sceptical of it. Uh, you know, every time you do something in the EU, you need 27 different languages to be translated. The EU is not an organization that moves quickly. You know, will a, a French immigration guy like a German uh, password or a green password or whatever they want to call passport? Hmm. They won't because of bias, you know. So I, I don't see the need for it. And, you know, I, I think once... You can show your also over here, uh, Jarlett, When you get your vaccines, you get a you know uh, a hard copy of the of the two uh, vaccines that you received and so on. I th I think people should just take a photograph of that, and uh, that should be, and that uh, should be the enough. knowledge that 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 should be more than enough. And uh, I just you know uh, you know getting twenty seven people who like each other to do something is hard. 27 people who are a bit scared or a bit skeptical of each other it's another uh, different but like you know look at the size of the US they, they, they don't have those uh, issues state by state Here's a here's th something that I wanted to put to you as somebody that's in Colombia quite a bit and uh, aware yeah. uh, of what's happening there I find it remarkable I find it remarkable all year the spin and the filtration yeah. of news that's presented to me here by by reputable outlets and how much the situation there has been ignored. Do you feel the same way or do you feel that they just have so much news to report about their own situation that they can't see past themselves? It's a good question. I'm not sure what the answer is. Part of the problem with Latin America is most of the news is dominated by Brazil. And Brazil is a bit of a, a kind of difficult situation at the moment with Balasaro there, the mm. president. And, you know, he fired two health ministers because they recommended uh, using masks and so on. So you have a Trump-like character there. So Latin America is driven by Brazil, unfortunately. And then you get countries like Colombia, which I've told you in the past, is twice the size of France and 50 million people. And they, they, they'd be very more American orientated than the Brazilians. The Brazilians, you know, don't think they need anybody else in the world, uh, particularly because they have soccer and all their own resources and all that kind of stuff. It's a very independent place. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of haven't focused too much on uh, media uh, coverage of Colombia outside of Colombia itself. But, you know, there's places like uh, the U.S. and there's places uh, throughout the world that are uh, doing a really good job. And I just I, I wonder about the media reporting on it a bit like yourself. Mm, yes. So like Colombia is the Guardian this week is being battered by a, a kind of a surging third wave of COVID. 40,000 yeah. lives have been lost yeah. to the disease since mid-March. Yeah. That's about 40 percent of their total death toll, which is kind yeah. of mad, really, because they're yeah. they're seeing more deaths uh, than yeah. than normal. So more than 25,000 cases reported each day. I, I think we have to uh, we, I think we have to take not just Colombia, but other countries in that are outside of Europe into perspective. Like social distancing is unknown of in Colombia. It's just okay. not in their culture.
And also, let's take the practicality, you know, in Medellin itself, most of the properties are, if people have properties, are, and there's lots of them, uh, are in apartments, you know, and you can't social distance if there's, you know, two families in an apartment and there's mm. eight people in an apartment. It's just, you know, using the same stairwells and lifts, of course. Yeah, social distancing is for wealthy countries. It's not for countries like uh, Colombia or other places like Mexico or Brazil or so on. Mm. We had a Eamon Dunphy on the show. Uh, on yeah, it was very good. I, 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 I listened to it. It was very good. Yeah, the clarity is like a yeah. crystal. He really sees Boris, who's someone I know you respect, as having screwed yeah. the pooch here and allowing that gateway from India to remain open uh, created a huge, huge problem. Is that something that is a concern to the the airlines and to your colleagues in the business? Because on the one hand, I was like, well, look, maybe we need to accept that the Delta variant is coronavirus now. And then I hear yeah. that there's another concern, there's another variant of concern. And I wonder, is this just a cycle? Is this just the Delta is the new cycle and it'll be Delta yeah. plus next week? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know the details about uh, what happened in the UK about that trade trip that had to be taken and so on. And the one that I get concerned about as a human, uh, a bit like uh, most people, is nobody's talking about Africa. And mm. there was an announcement in the news here the other day, Jarlett, uh, uh, about Pfizer uh, opening uh, two plants in uh, one in Germany and one in Switzerland, which is great because it's uh, extra production. But, you know, why aren't they opening bloody plants in Nigeria or South Africa and so on? Like, I have uh, some very close family down in South Africa. And my understanding is, uh, I just heard from uh, my godson, uh, Killian, recently, uh, like about four to five percent of the population have been uh, vaccinated down there. You know, so we're going to have an African variant. We're going to have different variants left, right and center. And we just have to get on with life. Um, I, I'm not being disrespectful to anybody who's gone through the horrors of it, who've lost people or anything else like that. That's that's really horrible and, you know, bad. But, you know, life has to go on. And, you know, we are going to lose. If, if we don't have secure economies and secure businesses and airlines and hotels and so on, and particularly in Ireland, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot worse suffering. Well, let me push back a little bit on the get on with it case, yeah. because I don't feel like I'd be doing my job if I didn't. I mean, here's the headline yeah, yeah. On, on Sky News. UK records 26,000 new coronavirus cases today, the yeah. highest since yeah. January. That, yeah. to me, is evidence of what getting on with it looks like and that we've kind of come yeah. full circle in our discussion of COVID, where in the beginning I felt very hurt and a lot of people felt very dismissed when the original suggestion was nobody needs to worry. It's just the elderly and the vulnerable who are really at risk, as if to say those people don't really matter. And sure, look, they're, they're probably going to die if they're going to die. And us healthy people are OK. We've kind of deck come around to the point where we're going. We've done our best. Now, good luck, everybody. To an extent, that is what the let's get on with that argument is. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
it, and, and, and I know it's very close to your heart with regard to your wife and so on. So I, I hate to think that is the argument or, or that is the thinking about it because it would be completely arrogant. And, and maybe you're seeing that out of the UK uh, population mm. or uh, politicians and so yeah. on. We are going to have variants. I think people are tired of the restrictions. I think people have, you know, firmly believed that they have made sacrifices and stayed indoors and did everything. I think the, the, the messaging is so mixed. I think we can understand the frustration of uh, uh, people down there. But, you know, I hope to Christ, uh, Charlotte, the, the view is like, you know, those people would have died anyway. I, 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 I haven't got that. Um, there is an issue, uh, you know, and I'm going to get shot for saying this. There is an issue with regard to people who are obese. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and I think that's a very big factor in the U.S. Hmm. But uh, I think we're in the middle of history and we don't know enough. But there's going to be more variants. And how you protect people who are vulnerable, I think what you do is you staycation and you, you know, you, you keep inside a bubble and the bubble doesn't uh, bubble doesn't have to be your back garden. You know, sure. you just, you know, if you're going out and you know uh, yourself uh, yeah. with your own family, you, you just go out to somewhere that's, yeah, you're, you know, you're more careful than, than an it, abundance uh, of caution. I, I, I hear that and I've been living with that yeah. for some time. Yeah, but yeah, it, but yeah. here I am back on stage last Saturday night in Guildford. I've done everything I can uh, to uh, make the gig as safe as possible and uh, worn a mask right up to the moment that I've walked on stage and taken my separately sanitized microphone out of the stand. And, you know, I start to do some material about where we are, the ridiculousness of it all. And, you know, I generally do this at times like Brexit, a bit of a straw poll of who's in the room and where they stand on things mainly just to get a sense of who I'm talking to rather than just lashing into what I'm going to say no matter what. And here pipes up a guy who is of the opinion that the vaccine will prevent him from having children. And it sucks the air out of the room. Like it was almost impossible to perform comedy or have a sensible discussion from that point forward. The tension among the people that weren't with them was palpable and the righteousness of those that were really made me think about this two tier thing that they had warned of. What yeah. do you say to that sentiment and this feeling that I don't trust the authorities? I'm amazed that you trust the authorities, given how anti-establishment you've been in the past. That's the kind of thing that gets said yeah. to me. I, I really don't know what to respond to these people. I'd be interested to hear what, mm. what you say. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I presume what falls into that category as well, Jarlett, uh, uh, is the people who are anti-vaxxers. You know, yeah. um, so I, I don't know. And, and I'm not trying to kind of make despairing comments about the UK but you know if you analyze the Brexit vote it was people over 65 who were effectively giving the fingers up to Europe and to the Germans and effectively voting against their grandchildren's future so you know the way people act is very different than you think uh, would be would make uh, common sense and I think Trump was a great example of that and, and maybe it was a uh, anti-Hillary uh, vote, but the, you know, I, I say there was a lot of 
people who voted Trump who didn't tell people that they voted for him and so on. Oh, definitely, it, it's a hard one to it's a hard one to answer, uh, uh, Jarlett. And um, the, the school or the industry of politics really has uh, a long way to go with regard to keeping people's trust. And when you see people like Merkel uh, leaving the stage, and you know she deserves her retirement, and she's done a wonderful job for Europe and so on. You get a bit worried about, you know, some of the other actors that are coming into the whole area. So it's a hard area. But getting back to aviation, I genuinely believe that uh, it's a safe environment on a biosafety basis and the protocols will be taken into good use. Yeah, well, the reason why I bring it up, honestly, is because, you know, when you say make the case that it is safe, you know, the, the you're and I really believe that you you are yeah. the man at the front going, I'll make sure that these things are done. Uh, and that's how I want it to be operated. And your colleagues agree with you on these things, that it's it is those people like my friend in Guildford who yeah. might also give the two fingers to the protocols, the ideas and the the gels and the masks and the things that you yeah. would have in place. Are yeah. airlines prepared for that level of disobedience and well, potentially it, having it, to remove people from flights? Yeah, no, it's, it's a very good point. It's happening a lot uh, in the US at the moment and some of the airlines are uh, have stopped uh, serving alcohol and so on. Hmm. I say part of that is frustration, you know, waiting in uh, airports, delayed flights. You know you're well uh, well when you travel with family, the extra baggage, yeah. you know, the, 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 you know, just, uh, you know, the real human things about, you know, the car park and whatever airport you're going to, you know, in the past used to be full and you're, you know, you're panicking about the flight and so on. So. I think the air airlines will become very uh, hard on unruly passengers and air rage. And I'm not concerned about that because uh, we give the responsibilities to the captains and uh, they have no problem uh, with regard to enforcing the laws there. Well, uh, but, you know, yeah. uh, no, I'm just saying that I, I'm just sympathetic. People are, you know, if you have young kids and stuff and you're at an airport and you have to get up at four in the bloody morning, you know, <laughs> it, it is... It, you know, and, and, and you're going to, I always wonder about this, Charlotte, uh, you're going to the uh, place, uh, let's say in Spain at the hottest time of the year and the most expensive time of the year. You know, that that's all frustration, you know, uh, so uh, I, I, I'm sympathetic to the passengers as well. It's all it all plays on your mind, definitely. And people people behave yeah. strangely in airports and in airplanes. There's no question of that. I feel like it would have been impossible for me to pick an eight year period to move to the UK and experience as much as I have in terms of turmoil yeah. change. Yeah, and for sure. yeah, just movement uh, of the political landscape. I nearly felt that and there's a certain amount of people over here that felt that Brexit was proven to be correct by yeah. Boris's ability to do deals on vaccines as a result of his independence. Would you go along with yeah. that way of thinking? I think there's something in that. I, I, I do think Boris is very clever and he wanted to follow Biden with regard to rollout and he wanted to, 
it was kind of like a fingers to the rest of Europe. Mm. Uh, we're independent and we're British and uh, we're going to, uh, you know, he, he didn't have to follow the EU protocol with regard to buying and so on. So he was able to do deals. And let's, let's face it, a lot of the big pharma are based in the UK. Uh, so it, it was to his advantage and so on. Um, yeah, it does lead me to the question, though, that I was hoping to finish on. And that is, yeah. where is that deal-making ingenuity, the business acumen that uh, I would have hoped to have seen in leadership in Ireland with, as you say, companies like Pfizer based there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, am, am, I, am I wrong in thinking that we're lacking political leadership back home in so far as we have no Boris type guy or woman to get things yeah. over the line on something as pressing as this. Yeah, it, 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 each country in the world needs a Boris. I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to be shot for saying that. But, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in, in times like now, you need people who are going to run through uh, gates and fences and walls to get things done. And, uh, you know, one, you know, you take three months. I don't have to tell you this. You take three months prior to uh, the rollout of the vaccines in the UK and his opinion polls were through the floor. I, I think in Ireland uh, we are lacking it. I, I think our current Taoiseach is a very good, honest man, but I, I'm not too sure he's uh, he's certainly, you know, Leo uh, Vajacard uh, showed a lot more political nous when he was in control and so on. Um, and listen, when you have a coalition. It's hard, but, you know, we, we need Bidens of the world and we need Borises of the world. And I'm not saying that because I have any particular strong feelings about them. Mm. You know, uh, you know, the, the, the joke in the U.S. was, you know, uh, vote for Uncle Joe because he's a safe pair of hands. But I think the lovely thing, and you saw it in the G7 down in Cornwall, is, you know, he could be the uh, god of uh, this century uh, if he wants to roll out vaccines for the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, the G G7 making those donations is fantastic. But seemingly it was only about 20 percent of what's needed in Africa. Nobody's talking about Africa, which is, worries me. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can see what's happening in um, in India. But, you know, you multiply that with regard to uh, Africa and, uh, you know, you know, you just take refugees that are coming across on, you know, through, through whatever means they can. And uh, the world needs a. Uh, kind of like an Ike or an Eisenhower or one of these, a Clinton type to, uh, and I think I think Biden's trying to do that and, and Johnson's trying to do that. And I think the Germans will try, I think Macron will do that as well. So I'm optimistic with regard to uh, some of the strong leadership, but I just don't know why they aren't banging the heads, if mm. you say, of the Pfizer's in Ireland and elsewhere and saying, you know, come on, this this is not just an issue for our country. This is, you know, I think I, I think several people have said, you know, stop focusing on the rollout in the UK. Can we f focus on the global rollout? Relative final question relative yeah. to how you felt across all of this since March 2020. How optimistic are you right now? And this will tell us something about how difficult and how low you've been. But yeah. relative to all of that. Where are you at right now in terms of your optimism? I, I'm a lot more of this. You know, I think you have to divide that question up. I'm a lot more optimistic globally. I, 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 as the points I was making earlier, I think 
Biden will certainly try to make things happen as much as he can. I wouldn't be as optimistic here in Ireland because I think what the government have done is they've dug themselves a hole and they just don't know. Like, I, I, you know, we all have different views of what you would do if you were a Taoiseach, but I closed down Neffet yesterday mm. Mm. Uh, because they're just reeling too much power and, you know, um, scientists are not meant to be ruling countries. And uh, Yeah, and look, they've become a bit of a dirty word now. They, 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 everything I read, <laughs> they need to either change that name or rebrand the whole thing. Yeah. I will tell you, Deck, it is always such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Considering it an open invitation, you're welcome back anytime at all. We can get some clarity on things. Be great to talk to you. Thank you so much for doing this chat. And uh, look, stay safe and take care of yourself. Look forward to seeing you face to face, mask to mask soon. OK, take care, John. Thank you. So there you have it. That's the Deck Ryan conversation. If you want to go and hear the full episode, we actually recorded a full interview with Deck, an hour-long deep dive into his life and times, co-founding Ryanair, uh, his time in South America. It's an unbelievable chat that I never thought I'd get when we got it. And it's right there in the archive, sitting there alongside all these other episodes might be the perfect thing for you to enjoy across August, wherever you're heading on your holidays or if you're just going on a staycation. Head over there, patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad. Gain access to everything, four episodes a week and the full back catalogue, as I said, featuring every interview I've done over the last eight years. It's how we keep the lights on here at Irishman Abroad. Massive thanks to Deck for doing this interview to Ashling at Irlandia uh, for helping me set it up and of course to all of you for listening I want to say a big thanks to John Marr for his extra research he's been working like a hound dog on the uh, selection box series for uh, independent bookstores which has been a joy to create where I've got one episode left in that mini series that uh, uh, will be Will de Burka this week from de Burka Rare Books. That's such a fun chat. That's coming out on Thursday. Sonia will be back on Tuesday with more Irishman running abroad and it'll be a Marion episode next Friday. I've lined up a ton of guests for the summer. I'm, I'm blocking those in and locking those down so that they're there for you to enjoy across your holidays. Brian Connolly's on production and Tina and Mikey make it all possible. I will see you next week for another another round of episodes. Take care of yourselves. Be careful. Stay safe.